Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Radio Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I was refused to use. No doubt continues now. This is the broadcast for January the 19th in the year of our Lord, 2023. This is our two of two. Our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property. And to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence. Wow, we got a lot going for us, don't we? We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on on the face of the earth. So sorry about my voice, ladies and gentlemen. I've had some health problems lately, and we're just doing the best we can. Wow. Uh, we got an incredible guest on the radio with us today. His name is Ward Connerly, and he's author of a bunch of books, Creating Evil, My Fight Against Race Preferences, Lessons from My Uncle James. He's with a group called American Civil Rights Institute, ACRI.org, to learn more. He's the author of a bunch of books. He's a columnist. Uh, he's a political advocate. He is the key figure for passing the Proposition 209 in California, which outlawed race and gender preferences in college and in university hiring etc he's done a tremendous job rejecting uh the racial divides in america the special interests etc ward welcome to liberty roundtable live sir it's a pleasure to be with you sam give us a 30 second besides my introduction on who you are i'm just a patriot guy who loves his country who wants to get it right with regard to the issue of race and to advance the nation as a colorblind, if you will, society. Now, they want to say the founders were racists. What do you say? Uh, They're crazy. I don't see how any group of people who promote the idea that we're a nation that is based on equal rights for everyone uh, are racist. They say that because most of the founders, if not all of them were were white, but most of the NBA is black. So what, is, what does all of that mean? I think it means they wanna use race to divide. The communists love to divide and conquer. Uh, and we've got to simply reject this divide narrative if we ever want America to continue to be great. I agree. Totally agree. We are great, uh, but it's because we are, as de Tocqueville said, we're good people. And uh, from that goodness stems a great country, which we are. I don't believe the founding fathers were racist. I think they were caught by societal realities they were born into. And I think they did their best to change the narrative. They're the ones that said in the Declaration of Independence that, you know what, we all, we're all created equal, endowed by our creator with unalienable rights. 
I don't think they were racist. I think they just were in a very difficult circumstance. It took a long time to change society, like William Wilberforce. It takes a long time to make the change. Consistent action is what made the change for William Wilberforce and in America as well. Uh, sometimes it doesn't come so easy, but I don't believe the founders were racist. I agree, Sam. I think that they were, if you want a word to describe them, they were capitalists. And the the main product at the time for that for the capitalists was slavery. And if they could have obtained the slaves from Switzerland or something, they would have. They were capitalists. Ladies and gentlemen, Ward wrote an incredible column in 2020. The article is called America Isn't a Racist Country. Ward Connolly, Wall Street Journal is where it appeared July 24th uh, in 2020. Uh, I agree with Ward. We're not a racist country. You know, they want you to believe that I'm white. Therefore, uh, based on critical race theory, that I'm a racist and I can't help it and I'll never live it down. And the blacks are always the victims and, and this kind of stuff. But you know what? When I go out into the world, Ward, I don't see that. I work with people of all races, all colors, mixed races, black, white, and nobody cares. As long as people are honorable to one another, they seem to work well together. That's the reality that I see in America. I hold the door for people walking in a restaurant. I don't care if they're black or white. They do the same to me. Right? We could form a parade based on that premise, and, and the line would be 50 miles long. Because that's what most Americans believe. We marry across lines of race. We work together. We play together. We try to build this country. We're focused on living through the day and earning a living. We're not focused on the color of somebody's skin. The only ones who are, that is their living. That's their product. Eldon? Yeah, uh, Ward, why, why do you feel that uh, there is such a push for, just, I guess you'd say, hypersensitivity to race, uh, trying to somehow accommodate or uh, make amends for the past, uh, reparations, all of this? What What is, the, in your view, the motivation behind that? It's political. It is the fact that, like, any other industry, you always want a new product. You always want a something new on the shelf to peddle. And for those in the race industry, and that includes universities and politicians, Democrats largely, progressives, the new product is diversity and equity. And they are pushing that with every fiber of their being because it is the way to affect how people think and the policies that we enact. And it is it is the one issue that is least likely to get pushed back from the American people because those who are the beneficiaries of all of that, so-called people of color, they're not going to push back. And those that are being stigmatized by all of this, namely whites and Asians to a large extent, were regarded as white adjacent, they're not going to push back too much. 
it's just a few people who will push back on all of this. And so they have a pretty good chance of prevailing. All right, I want to talk about lessons from oh. my Uncle James, because I believe in there there's some incredible anecdotes. Why don't we tease the audience with a little bit of it and then tell people where they can get that book? Well, my Uncle James, my mother died when I was four, and uh, I'd been born in Leesville, Louisiana, with a C on my birth certificate for colored, although I came from a very mixed-race family. But before she died of an aneurysm, she was very young, uh, she exacted a promise from one of her sisters and the husband of that sister, my uncle James, that they would take care of me. And so at the age of four, I became the uh, under the tutelage of what I call a committee of three which were my Uncle James, that bird, and my maternal grandmother, Mary Sonia. And um, that committee of three um, tried to raise me uh, based on principles in the church and family about self-reliance. And Lessons from My Uncle James is a book that outlines the different lessons that I learned. Uh, one of which is you do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Another, make sure that you um, get yourself educated because nobody's going to give you SH boy. And uh, basic, basic beliefs that helped to build the country, but that were not being passed along to young colored boys. And so my Uncle James and Mom, my grandmother, who was the chair of the committee, and my Aunt Bird made sure that I was properly placed on the right path to become a productive person, and I would, quote, make something of myself. That was the lesson that I learned from Uncle James, that you want to make something of yourself. You want to be a credit to your country. Uncle James was a man who never got beyond the third grade, but he loved to hunt. Thus, the second, the fourth, the second amendment. He loved to, to, uh, to be a good person to anybody he met. Even though he never got beyond the third grade, James Lewis was a man that could interact with the president of the United States, uh, regardless of who he or she was, uh, because he was just that kind of a person. All right, we're going to go ahead and skip the break. Uh, we're going to continue our incredible interview, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about race. We're talking to Ward Connor Lee. His website, acri.org. We're talking about uh, some books he's written. What he's learned from his Uncle James is one of them. Uh, and we're talking about, you know what, the principles that made America great uh, were taught toward by James, by his grandmother. Uh, 
etc. And we're talking about what it takes to be a good person in America. Now, your race is interesting. Uh, tell us your race makeup, because I think it's important. When they put C on your birth certificate, it's kind of interesting, Ward. Well, Sam, I'll tell you, my uh, maternal grandmother, mom, who was the head of the committee of three, um, she was, her parents were um, Irish, full-blooded Irish, and Choctaw Indian. And she married a guy who was uh, Creole, white primarily, uh, Eli Sonier. And on my father's side, I is the only place where African ancestry came in. But I could form a United Nations just based on my heritage. But in America, if you have one drop of black blood, you are black. So I am a black guy. On my birth certificate was that C for Connor, for colored, not for Connerly, for colored. And... I um, have always had an attitude about race that sort of sort of rejects the whole idea of dividing the American people into separate races. My hope is that we evolve to the point where all that matters is our American identity. Doesn't matter whether we're whether we're black or because there are a lot of very fair-skinned people that we call black, even though they're white for all intents and purposes. A lot of people of Latin descent, Latin American descent, that are called brown, even though many of them are white. So the whole concept of dividing people into this crayon, with this crayon box, <coughs> and uh, Sorting us into separate races is goofy, and I think I always always say this. I always say this, Mister Connolly. We're all God's children. When are we going to act like it? Indeed, indeed. I think we will evolve an American identity eventually. It won't be in my lifetime, but I think you're seeing it now. Um, People of color. Well, who's of color? Uh, that won't last very long. And eventually we'll wind up a hundred years from now, perhaps, but it'll happen. The only thing that matters is I'm an American and uh, we will disregard all of these other divisions that we keep messing with. In my lifetime, I've grown from colored to Negro to black, to African-American, to a person of color. These are ridiculous classifications of people, of humans. I like the term child of God for all of us, because I think it really relates to the human race. Now, they call me a racist. Do you want to know why? They want to create these cyborgs. They want to create these cyborgs. They want to create this kind of a mixture between some kind of computer, human, I don't know what, AI bot, human kind of thing. I want to just stick with the human race. I reject the kind of cyborg race. Uh, So I guess I'm a racist, huh? 
will call you that, and I'm an Uncle Tom because I refuse to fall into line with with what they want. Amen. Eldon, this is the quintessential point, though. I don't want to be half computer. I don't want them to try to think that I'm a hackable human or something like that, hackable animal and stuff like that. So I reject that. I'm for the human race, Eldon. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the difficulty is uh, a lot of these people that are pushing, um, you know, the idea that we should classify everybody by race or by gender or whatever, um, they don't believe in God. You know, they, they think government should be God. And so they, they want to just remake society and, and all this stuff. So um, and same goes for, of course, uh, a lot of these folks that are pushing the cyborg type stuff. They, they think, well, okay, we can just remake the human race. That's part of the problem, Mr. Connerly. They don't believe in God, do they? No, they don't. Now, you uh, you find that if you believe in God and you promote your beliefs, you're somehow a weirdo. Uh, I remember when I first got involved in this whole area of public policy, I came from a small business that I owned in California, and I called upon a consultant who was a, a leader in his field, and the first thing he said to me was, I, I see where you're a man of faith. Don't promote that too widely because they'll think you're a weirdo. And uh, so what I did, the first show that I was on, guess what I did? Uh, promote a God, family, and country. I underscored that I'm a weirdo. <laughs> I, I love it. You know, I was, well, good. I was offered a big-time talk show host position. But they told me that to take it, I'd have to talk a lot less about God. Uh, and I refused yeah. and turned it down. So there's kind of where I stand on on the matter. You know, this race thing is very, very divisive. But I think Americans are waking yeah. up to the communist agenda, the divide and conquer godless idea. And I think more and more Americans are realizing that we've been played for suckers on this issue for so long, calling the founders racist, uh, etc. It's falling on deaf ears now as more Americans realize, look, it was societal. It took a long time to change things. Change comes hard uh, sometimes when people's economic futures depend on it. Uh, when people have been taught a certain way for so long, it's really hard to teach the truth to them uh, and help them kind of understand uh, who they are, help them understand. Your books, though, and your efforts have been taking America a long way uh, to the correct position uh, on this, that we're all God's children, creating equal, uh, in my mind, is a, a very adept title to highlight this point, sir. Well, thank you. you. You're very kind. I am afraid, however, that if we don't get it right this next election, 2024, the progressives are going to prevail, and there's nothing that is more central to progressive ideology than dividing people by race. Uh, this equity, diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, if we don't get it right in 2024, that will be the law of the land for all intents and purposes. And we're going to move further, further to the left. And uh, with, with, with progressives, nothing is more important than race. 
race is the centerpiece of a progressive ideology. Eldon? Yeah, it seems like that's that's the case. They they want to uh, just divide us. Um, in other countries, it seemed like it was it was other things uh, by classes. But the United States, they, they focused on the uh, the race just because of our history. But um, what uh, I guess what can be done? Would you say what would be the uh, your recommendation for the average person? Well, the average person is. Make sure that you don't leave democracy, this constitutional republic, on autopilot. Exercise your right with enlightenment. 2024 is critical. I know that a lot of people um, have some reservations about uh, who is likely to be the Republican nominee based on his personal style, but his policies are solid. And we're going to have to get it right in 2024 because the underlying thing that we have to deal with and we have to reject is progressive ideology. Uh, That relates to immigration. It relates to diversity and and, uh, equity. There is a an interagency committee within the Biden administration and placed in Janet Yellen's operation that is working on this 24-7. Most Americans don't have a clue what's going on, but we have to we have to get it right at the next election because this progressive ideology will be the mainstream of American life if we don't perform our electoral duties adequately. Critical race theory says that because I'm white, I'm inherently a racist. It's so innate, I don't even know it. The fact that I don't realize it even is further proof that it's true. I don't know if you know this, uh, Mr. Connerly. I'm a totally blind person. I don't know what race anybody is. In fact, I don't even know. They tell me that I'm white, but I don't even know that that's a fact. They could be lying to me. Oh, my innately a racist, sir, according to their ideology. How does that work? Because I don't, I don't understand it. Well, Sam, you and I, uh, I've never met you, but I, I just can't tell you how much I relate to what you're saying. Uh, I'm not blind uh, physically, but I'm blind by, by practice. Uh, I I don't care about a person's skin color. I just don't care. Um, But we are, we're at a very critical point as a country and we are a great country, but that's a, can be a fleeting thing. You make the wrong decision and poof, you're no longer a great country. If you get the wrong dude in there guiding you around, that's for sure. You know, I was supposed to let you go at the 30 break, sir, but I'm hoping you can stay with us just a few more minutes. Do you have time to do that? Sure, I'll make time. All right. Stay a little longer. I want to talk about a few things that I really think are critical, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking to Ward Connerly. 
And he's the author of a bunch of books. Creating Equal is one of them. My Fight Against Race Preferences is another one. Lessons from my Uncle James. By the way, get it right, America. It's not Uncle Tom. It's Uncle James, okay? Get it right, mainstream press. We're talking about his organization, American Civil Rights Institute, ACRI.org. When we come back, I got a little story um, for Mr. Connerly. I, I want to get his take on it. We'll talk more in seconds. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Pry. Florida Republican Representative Greg Stubbe was transported to a hospital Wednesday afternoon after he fell off a roof in Sarasota, Florida. The report indicated Congressman Stubbe was involved in an accident on his property late Wednesday afternoon and has sustained several injuries. The 44-year-old represents Florida's 17th Congressional District, which is the outer suburbs of Sarasota and Fort Myers, through the Everglades. 65-year-old actor Julian Sands has disappeared after hiking up Southern California's Mount Baldy last weekend. San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department announced a call for help came in from his family. Still no word. Eleven storms in California in recent weeks could have ended the drought in the Golden State, but politicians never took the time to increase their water collection capabilities. We do everything we can to get rid of literally the most precious resource we have, water. Los Angeles Waterkeeper Executive Director Bruce Resnick on NBC News says because of this, the drought will continue to hinder the California region. It's not going to change that fundamental dynamic, and that's why I don't want people to get complacent. The 11 storms brought enough fresh water to cover the entire state of California in 15 inches of water. Because of California leadership, 80% of that water was put directly back into the Pacific Ocean. A cinematographer was fatally shot and the director wounded on the set of the film Rust. Actor Alec Baldwin is the man who pulled the trigger. He could learn his fate today. Baldwin could face charges in the shooting death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the set of the movie Rust. The shooting with an antique revolver happened during a dress rehearsal in October of 2021. At 9 a.m. local time Thursday, a district attorney in New Mexico will announce whether charges will be filed. Baldwin reached a settlement with Hutchins' family last fall in a wrongful death lawsuit. I'm Jeremy Scott. This is USA News. Nothing fights the winter blues like a delicious and satisfying meal. Luckily, Omaha Steaks makes it easy to start the year right and keep that warm and cozy feeling going all winter long. Right now is the perfect time to stock up and fill your freezer with flavor. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code TREAT at checkout and get $30 off your order. Save on perfectly portioned favorites, easy meals, and so much more with Omaha Steaks Freezer Filler Sale. That's $30 off an endless variety of gourmet choices from incredible steaks, premium chicken, delicious pork to seafood. There's something for everyone, and every bite is backed by their 100% money back guarantee. Visit OmahaSteaks.com today. Enter TREAT at checkout to get $30 off your order. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit OmahaSteaks.com. Use promo code TREAT at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required. 
Ellen Stahls with me, ladies and gentlemen, is the field coordinator for the John Birch Society, jbs.org. He's also involved with thenewamerican.com. Does a phenomenal job with me for two hours on when? On Thursdays. I like that. Not every Thursday, but once a month. We're grateful for him. We're interviewing Ward Connerly, who is really an American icon, in my opinion, ladies and gentlemen. His website, AC. ACRI.org, ACRI.org, and it stands for the American Civil Rights Institute, and what we're talking about is race. Now, my stand on race is very clear. We're all God's children. Let's behave like it. Let's stick with the human race. Let's reject the cyborg merging into uh, this idea of the hackable animal. We're not hackable animals, folks. We're children of God, okay? Uh, and when they want to call somebody black and Uncle Tom, shame on them for having the integrity to think for themselves. Uh, we, the people, can stand together shoulder to shoulder as Americans, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and we can stand together on the principles that made America great. Because you know what? That's what makes individuals, families, and countries great. And that is the key. I wanted Ward to stay with us a little longer because I've got a personal story that I find interesting. Everybody knows I'm a totally blind person. I have no idea what race you are or I am, and I don't care, okay? If you're nice to me and kind to me and you shake my hand and you're decent and honorable and you do what you say you're going to do, etc., even if we differ politically, you're a friend of mine. And if you're dishonest and immoral and, and you can't be trusted, then you know what? I want to get as far away from you as I can possibly get. I don't care who you are. Okay? It's that simple of a reality. They mock me, though, and say fundamentally because I'm white, I'm a racist. There's no way to change that. I just need to know what race people are, so they got to tell me so that I can decide how I'm going to treat them. I'm joking, folks. Think about that. It's insane. It's crazy. Okay, folks, I'm going to treat people uh, kindly. I want to treat people the way that I want to be treated. Isn't that what I'm supposed to come out of the gate doing, no matter what color I am? I want to come out of the gate treating people like I want to be treated, right? Isn't that the fundamental truth we should live by? Well, anyway, here's the story, Warden, and I would love your response. I walked up to my door one time because someone knocked on it, and I opened it, and this guy says, hey, I want to sell you, and I can't remember even what he was trying to sell me. And I said, no, I'm not interested. No, I'm not interested. And the guy started just to get a little bit hostile, and I didn't kind of understand why. Uh, next thing you know, my 10-year-old daughter walks up beside me, and she said, Dad, he's trying to shake your hand. He's got his hand out. So I started to put my hand out because I didn't realize he wanted to shake my hand. I just stood there. I didn't know any better. I apologized. I just didn't know any better. And uh, so I reached my hand out. He pulls his hand out, and he goes, no, no, sir. No, no, no. It don't wash off now. You... you you can't, what, what that? you can't shake my hand. And so he then proceeded to back away. And then I'm like, sir, you know what? I, I'm more than willing to shake your hand. I didn't know you had your hand out of a blind person. He realized I was blind because he knew that my daughter walked up and told me that. I mean, he understood in an instant, but he didn't care. He left my house basically saying, sir, it doesn't wash off now. You can't. Uh, and, and he basically wanted us to believe that I was the racist, that I wouldn't shake his hand. I would have shaken it. I would have shaked his hand in a second had I known. The proof is the second I learned of it, I put my hand out. But he treated it as if, hey, he shouldn't be in my rich neighborhood because I'm a white guy and I don't want to buy his products because I'm a racist. And, and and he went on like this. And I got done marveling about that experience afterwards, just thinking, wow, what an interesting interaction, sir. Dad, when he says it doesn't wash off, I don't quite understand that. What, 
What does it I guess, wash I off? guess he was saying that he's black and he can't wash it off, right? And and I guess I'm saying I could care less. Well, you know, there, there's some there's some real idiots. Um, but I got a question. Though. I'm the white guy. I'm supposed to be the racist. He's the black guy. He's supposed to be the victim. But I feel like I was the victim, sir. I should. I was willing you to were. shake his hand and treat him decently. I just didn't want to buy what he was selling. That's all. I have that right too. But that doesn't mean that I'm a racist. He was the racist. I was not the racist. That's the facts of the the matter. It's absolutely a hundred percent provable by the interaction. Sam, I'm in the process of writing my last book because I'm 83, and the good Lord's not going to give me much time to write another. So this is my last. And uh, last night I was in a chapter that reminded me of an experience that I had in 1996, I think it was or 97, and it was with a state senator uh, who happens to be black, and she really criticized me about my position on affirmative action, which I oppose, and she didn't discuss the affirmative action issue. She discussed the fact that I have more melanin than my wife, who is white, and therefore I don't want to be black because I married a white woman. And her comment would have been in the Ku Klux Klan Hall of Fame. And I called her a bigot and a racist. (laughs) Um, And I was the one who was out of line in the words of the Sacramento Bee for for creating an uncivil environment. <laughs> now my point is my, my point is that you can say some stupid things, some racist things, if you're a quote minority or you're a black woman or a black male, but I hear this often from black women. He married a white woman. Why can't we say you're a racist to that person that doesn't want to shake your hand or to that woman who calls me uh, an Uncle Tom and I I don't want to be black, I want to be white. You know... If if you really believe in equality and that we're all children of God, you call it as you see it. So if you were to look into the Sacramento Bee and see that story, I would hope that you would say, Connerly's got it right. That woman's a bigot. She's the she racist. She is a bigot. She That's is a bigotry. racist. The guy that... The guy that refused to shake my hand is a racist. He should have realized that I was blind, realized there was no harm intended whatsoever, uh, 
Uh, he should have had respect for the 10-year-old girl that walked up and told her dad. Uh, and then when I put out my hand, he should have shook my hand and said, hey, thank you, sir. I'm sorry you don't want to buy what I have to sell. By the way, if he had something I wanted to buy, I might have bought it, though. I don't give a rip what race he is. Okay, if it was something that I yeah. needed or wanted, I would have been willing to purchase the product. That had nothing to do with it, although it became the quintessential issue. Now, I've got another story for you that you might find fascinating, and then I want to end on uh, what your latest book's going to be. Hopefully, we can keep an eye out for it and have you back to discuss it uh, as soon as it's released. I've got a friend by the name of James Edwards, and he advocates for the white race. And the reason that he does is because he's white, just as black people should advocate for their race, their heritage. Everybody should be proud of their heritage. I love to learn about heritage and history and, and where people came from and how they lived their lives, and uh, etc. So every... Uh, race, if you will, or every ethnicity should be happy and proud to advocate for their uh, race and their heritage. I don't believe we ought to focus on race, but it's okay to be to be proud of your heritage, your ancestors, and etc. Anyway, this gentleman, uh, they called him a leader of the KKK in a newspaper. Well, he's not even a member of the KKK, much less not a leader. He doesn't agree with the KKK. He's not involved in the KKK. So he sued this newspaper. They came back and said, we realize you're not a leader of the KKK. You're not a member. That's a fact. But they can call you a racist and a bigot and a leader of the KKK because of Aesop's <coughs> fables. Uh, based on the company you keep, they can call you uh, the leader of the KKK, even though it's quintessentially not true. What do you say to that, Ward? That's insane. It is. Now, my friend, you and I will disagree about one thing. I don't believe in having pride in anything over which you did not control or you did not make. So people that say I'm proud to be black, uh, black power, or I'm proud to be white, I don't, I just don't buy into that. Because the good Lord made me, the good Lord gave me the color, the, the melanin that I have. So I don't take pride in my color. Now, that doesn't mean, however, that others can't if they want to. Yeah, and let me, let me take a break. We'll come back and talk about this. That. Hold on. Let me take a break, Ward. We'll come back and talk about it. Because your point's well taken, okay. and I agree with you, too. I'll explain the pride in a second because I think it might be a little different than you're thinking. Either way, though, I don't necessarily share that, but I'll tell you what I do share. We'll talk about it in a second with Gord Connerly. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Scott Bradley here. 
Most Americans are painfully aware that the nation is on the wrong track and in dire straits. Unfortunately, most political pundits only nibble around the edges when they claim to address the issues. Even worse, many of the so-called solutions are simply rewarmed servings of what got us into the mess we currently face. And the politicians think we're so gullible and naive that we'll buy their lies that they have reformed and now understand where they led us astray. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that they simply wish to continue to hold power. The solution to America's challenges is found in returning to the timeless principles found in the United States Constitution. My book and lecture series will reawaken in Americans an understanding and love of the principles which made this nation the freest, most prosperous, happiest, and most respected nation on earth. Visit to preservethenation.com and order my book and lectures to begin the restoration of this great nation. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Ward Connerly with us. His website, acri.org. It stands for American Civil Rights Institute. And we're talking about race, clearly, in his books. Um, Eldon Stahl with us as well, so it's a, a three-way discussion here. Um, right before the break, I had said, hey, you know what? This James guy's proud of his race, proud of who he is. He promotes um, you know, the white race because he's white. And I said, everyone should celebrate their heritage and be proud of who they are. And uh, Ward saying, hey, we disagree on this. That's okay. We can disagree. This is America, ladies and gentlemen. The genius is we can advocate for certain things, talk about certain things. We can let the listener make up their own minds. We don't have to control anybody. And we can also be kind enough to respect one another's views. And if we disagree, we can do so agreeably. But what we can also do is learn from one another and maybe change our opinions. That's valid in America, too. Let's not forget those realities. But I don't think that people need to be proud of the pigment or lack thereof or whatever in their skin, the pigmentation or whatever. I think people are, um, should be proud of who they are because God made me. So I'm a son of God, and I'm proud of how he made me. And he made me white, and he made somebody else black, and I think we can be proud of how we were made. He created different people with different skill sets. My wife's a great writer. I can't write my way out of a paper bag compared to her, but I can talk, and she's not a talker. And we all have these incredible talents and skills and blessings and that God's given us, and we should be proud of who we are, all of us. And so when I look at my ancestors, I'm proud of the ones that came to America and fought for liberty. And, and I'm proud of the historical relevance um, that they had and what they did. And, and the ones that didn't do so well, I'm not very proud of. And the ones that did great, according to the principles that I hold in my heart, the moral compass that I have, I'm, I'm proud of and happy about. So I'm proud that I'm a child of God in the way he's made me. Not necessarily proud of uh, the pigmentation in my skin or any of that kind of stuff. That's what I'm talking about, Ward. Okay, uh, you, you've sold me. Uh, <clears throat> I also think, Sam, that in a nation where there is so much emphasis on race and ethnicity, that it is just as valid for someone who wants to be proud of being white to do so, since everybody else in the country is entitled to do that. We're all entitled, I mean, but since everybody else is given a pass on promoting their, quote, race, whites should be as well. But for me, I just avoid making distinctions about people 
on the basis of factors over which they had no control. And I found that there's a very fine line sometimes between pride and prejudice. And people that uh, promote their color uh, often don't know where that fine line is. And they end up being prejudiced and and promoting their own race and down and uh, degrading other people of a different race and 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 that causes problems for me. Hey Amen. I, I couldn't agree more. Part. I couldn't agree more. There is a fine line, Ellen, and he, and he points out that line very well. Mm-hmm. We should never down another because of their race or their lack of talents in a given area. I'm proud that I'm a male. As opposed to a female, not that I'm against any females, but I'm, I'm okay that God made me male. Uh, I believe that he made me for a wise purpose in him. Uh, and in the Bible, it says, hey, why was this guy born blind? Was it his parents or um, did he do something to sin to be blind? And Jesus basically came back and said, he's born blind, not because anybody sinned, but because so the works of God may be made manifest through him. So, see, I'm happy that I'm who I am. It isn't, it isn't a dividing factor or it isn't a goal to put anybody else down or, or anything else in the, in, in the making of that. But that fine line is vital to understand and respect, Eldon. I believe that Ward's right on this. Yeah. Well, it seems like the, the interest of government in trying to make these distinctions is we're pitting people against each other. And everybody's competing for their piece of the pie and different benefits and recognition and protection and all that. And of course, that's very different from just saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm glad that my great-great-grandpa did such and such or, or what have you. Uh, so it, it seems like there's different motivations in there, but it'd be good to get uh, Mr. Connerly's uh, take on it, too. Well, Eldon, I, I understand what you're saying, and Sam, you guys are raising a valid point. I have a very dear friend uh, who said to me, do you ever regret not being born white? And I thought about it for a second. Can I, can I stop I you said, there, though, and uh, just introduce? That's an absolute clown question. Yeah. Shame well, on the question. Why would you ever regret how God made you? Well, when you've taken the stances that I have, you invite almost people to think that maybe you're not comfortable in your own skin. I end up, when I say, for example, that we're not a racist country, that invites about 50 million people who will say that guy's a racist. He's an Uncle Tom. (laughs) And if I were a coward... When it comes to my own views, I would hide under the bed uh, because I I wouldn't want to be called that. But I don't. I I have no discomfort with my own views, and so I thought about the question, and and I said, you know, I'm very proud of the fact that I was born with that C on my birth certificate, which is for colored. Because if I hadn't been born colored, I couldn't tell you what an idiotic question that is. Um, <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> well, I got a question. I got one oh, last goodness. question before we let you fly. What color is your blood? 
Uh, I get <coughs> dialysis twice a week uh, at DeVita Kidney Care Center. And occasionally when they extract the needles, I bleed a lot. So on that question, Sam, I have a good answer that is that I uh, that I know from experience. It's red. Same as mine, right? Yeah, it's red. People tell me my blood's red mm-hmm. too, just so you know. I don't really know, but they say it's red. <laughs> yeah, how do you know? <laughs> I don't know. I have to just believe them. <laughs> there, see? But to me, see, that's the point that I'm getting at is, look, isn't it true that when you go to a medical place, if you need blood, they don't go, uh, are you black or white or anything else? What they say is, what blood type do you have? And then they give you blood based on your blood type, right? And it might be Amen. who knows whose blood, right? It might be an Asian person's blood there, and, and it might be a white person. Who cares? They're going to save your life, sir. Am I, am I crazy with this idea? No, no, you're not. You're not. All right, because, man, I don't even know, you know. My favorite color is blue, though. You want to know why? Because I hear the ocean's blue, and it's beautiful, and I hear the sky's blue, and it's beautiful. And I'm, my Levi's are blue, and I love to wear them, and my wife's eyes are blue. And you know what? They're all different blues, but I love it all. That's why. Mm-hmm. How's that for a person that has never seen blue? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I bring this all up, though, because, folks, we have got to, to understand uh, the point that our dear new friend, Mr. Connor Lee, points out. Folks, we have got to learn to care about people's character. We have got to learn to focus on being united as we, the people, we are Americans, and we can do this. We can stand up together for the sacred cause of liberty and preserve liberty for us all. We all want the same thing. We all want to celebrate God, family, and country. We all want to be left alone. We all want to have a wonderful life. That's what it's all about. Your last book highlights this, right? It does. It does. Ward's Words, W-A-R-D, W-O-R-D, Ward's Words. And and tell us the summation of the book, and when will it be out? Probably won't be out until June, um, because I oppose race-based affirmative action, and the court is going to hand down, the Supreme Court, that is, is going to hand down its decision, which I pray to God will be it's unconstitutional, because it is, in June. And I'm holding back on Ward's words until June uh, to release it. But the premise of it all is that we are one people. We, We do not divide ourselves like a subdivision here based on race we're one people god's creation and that's how we should be treated that will be the underlying theme and the recurring theme of ward's words that is the next book coming out uh soon from ward connerly how long have you been married i was married 60 years and my wife and I divorced on November 21st last year because she'd had enough of my being involved in political activity. Good woman, but uh, 
I didn't place her at the top of my scale of priorities, and that was a problem. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I bring that up because a man and a woman together is what God said should happen, right? God put man and woman together uh, in sacred marriage in a way to benefit his race, the human race. To learn more about Ward Connerly and his books, his efforts, the history of what he's accomplished, tremendous stuff in his life, ACRI.org. That stands for the American Civil Rights Institute. Thank you so much for your time, sir. We'll have you back when your book's out. Sam Eldon, thank you guys. I appreciate it. God bless you. There he goes. Eldon, what do you what do you say? You want the last word? Well, it's just wonderful to have somebody on like yourself that just uh you know tells it like it is and isn't uh oh so absorbed by all this uh, progressive obsession of race and all that that's you know certainly a refreshing thing there you have it the last uh story i'm going to highlight really quick before the end of the hour we're going to dig into this more in uh detail congresswoman or congresswoman she criminalizes criticism of any non-white person Criticism of any non-white person could potentially result in a, quote, conspiracy charge. National conservative with the piece. Who am I talking about? Sheila Jackson Lee has represented her district, and she basically says, hey, you know what? You can't criticize anybody. You'll be charged with a, a, a criminal conspiracy called a white supremacy hate crime. Uh, anytime, anybody who criticizes immigration, criticizes uh, anybody who's not white, et cetera. My response is, folks, I don't want to criticize people, but I do want to highlight truth. And she's off her rocker crazy, folks. You have the freedom to criticize people. I don't think you should. You should be kind and talk about principle. But this is insane. It just proves what a racist Miss Jackson Lee is. She's off her rocker crazy, folks. We need to stand together as Americans and focus on things that have a higher purpose, a greater value, um, sacred things that can bring people together about God, family, and country. That's where I want to be. How about you? Thanks for being alongside for the ride for all of us on the two-hour broadcast. Thank you so much. We declare we the people, along with the grace of the Almighty, we can and will restore America. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.